Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. This is episode 119. I'm Jeff. I'll be your host tonight. DW with me tonight. Man, you're looking good, looking good every single week, and I know you're you're about ready to drop some wisdom on us again tonight. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Here, here's the wisdom: use coconut oil. <laughs> How about that? I I have not tried it yet, but it's been in the back of my mind over the last couple of weeks. Well, you need to take it out of the back of your mind and put it on your face. Just on your face. Your hands, your hands, your face. Rub it in your hair. Is that it? It's too bad greasers aren't in because you could do a really good job with coconut oil. So, so is that how you use coconut oil? Oh, yeah, man. I make my own face scrub, actually. I'm okay. a face scrub guy. You, you, you would, I wouldn't think of you as a face scrub. I am. I am. That's why I look so youthful and spunky. I, I must say you do have a nice complexion. They, thank you yourself. very much. It, it's kind of a glow. A certain je ne sais quoi. Uh, and not, not a certain. It is the definition of... <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever that means <laughs> i'm assuming that's good uh, i'm yeah. assuming you just didn't say in french you have a cow face or something I, I i'm assuming that that's not what you meant all i know is that <laughs> you said the word assume yes, about four I, times i know i know time. i know no I, I won't go there but it is what it is i know i i like coconut oil but i, I love, also like other oils i like oil in general motor oil no. i do i like changing the car oil i do okay Right. Oils are good. They they cause things to work. Yeah. Man. Okay. Is there any oil you don't like? Um, oil of Olay. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't we, know. We digress. <laughs> yeah. Did I just get in trouble? Are we having a bunch of oh, sponsors? Do we have sponsors that yell at us for things like that? I have no idea what I just did. Yeah. Maybe they'll want to <laughs> give. It is weird though. Like the different oils we have. I was just thinking. I like coconut. Like you know, putting coconut on a donut or something. You know, like a cake or something. I like eating coconut, but we seem to have like these opposites. We put coconut oil on our body and then we eat fish oil. Right. I don't get it. Well, go ahead and eat fish oil. Rub it on. I mean, uh, um, coconut oil. Rub it on your face, then eat it. I, well, I would. <laughs> I actually eat more coconut oil rather than using it on the exterior of my body. Well, you should do both. That's good. It'll give you a genesis quoi. <laughs> 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 and if, if you would get away from the peeps, this might be, you know there could be a health program here somewhere. <laughs> what if what soak if, your peep in uh, in, in coconut oil? <laughs> dip, dip fondue peeps with coconut oil. Oh man, it, that sounds kind of. So don't start me. Yeah, <laughs> the picture itself is, is 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 making me nauseated. Don't do that. I mean, the the jury's still out on me if I really want to join in the party of coconut oils. But tonight we're going to continue on our conversation about building an atmosphere 
of mentoring. And we've talked about this the last couple of weeks tonight. We're going to wrap things up. We've got some really great things to talk about tonight on the show, some helpful tips to get you into the game of mentoring. If that's something that you're thinking about, you've been chewing on over the last couple of weeks as we've been doing this show, this series. And uh, we've also got a great interview talking with a young man from Rockford, Illinois tonight. And so we're going to sit down with him for a couple segments on the show as well. And you can join the tweet back with us, be a part of this conversation. If you have something to add, a thought, maybe you want to connect with us and just reach out and laugh with us about silly things like coconut oil, you can jump on the tweet back tonight. Use the hashtag HNRTB on Twitter. Guys, we've been talking about this atmosphere of mentoring, and I think it's it's one of those things that, as we've been talking about, there have been a lot of different things we brought up and discussed, but what's the point? What's the purpose of mentoring? Because mentoring, as we've talked about and discussed, it's not easy. Uh, a lot of times it leads us to points where, whether it's within us or within the person that we're mentoring, we uncover some uncomfortable things about them, whether it's failures or shortcomings. We realize very quickly as time progresses and we invest our life into each other that neither of us are perfect and we all make mistakes. We might say things that we didn't necessarily mean to come out a certain way because maybe we were grouchy that day or, you know, again, we just show off our imperfections and None of us really like to show off our imperfections, but a part of mentoring comes when we do life together and we find out that, oh, this person's not perfect and that they've made mistakes. They still make mistakes. And so mentoring when stuff gets tough is tonight's conversation. Dave, we were kind of chatting a little bit before the show tonight and talking about the idea of leaving a legacy. And as a mentor, the things that I do, talking with young people, maybe putting them into situations that will challenge them and stretch them. The legacy of a mentor, what are your thoughts on this as we open up our conversation tonight? I think, first of all, if somebody isn't mentoring, they really don't love people. They just love themselves. Because I think it's clear in the Bible that the two things that God made us to do, and if he made us to do them, we need to do them, otherwise we're going to malfunction. And he made us to love him and love each other. Loving him is defined very clearly. It means obeying him. So that's, that's an easy one to understand. And you obey him because you realize that he's older than you, smarter than you, and loves you. And so you obey him because everything he says is good for you, even if you don't understand it. So you obey him. The second part of that, though, is to love each other. And when you love each other, what you're constantly doing is looking to try and make somebody successful. That's what you're doing. That turns you into a mentor automatically. It, it doesn't turn you into a know-it-all or, or anything else. It turns you into a mentor because your, your concern for those around you and how they live and how they're going to live when you're not here anymore and because there will be a time when you're not here anymore. So I think if you talk about legacy, I've, and, and I've talked to both you and Jason about this, I, I'm not 100% sure I've thought about legacy and what that means, and yet I live in a way where you two have experienced it because I desperately want both of you to be successful in life. And so I, I want to give you everything that I've learned experientially. I want to give you everything that I understand and, and trust that you will use it well and use it for the rest of your life and pass it on to somebody else. So if that's legacy, I'm all for it. If legacy is making sure, I mean, I remember I was walking through a cemetery once and you guys probably have walked through cemeteries and I saw some of the most humongous memorial stones i cannot tell you whose name was on them but i remember the stones yeah they, they were huge you know and it's like is that the legacy of that guy that big stone sitting on the ground right you know no it really isn't the the legacy 
can be good or bad. I mean, we use the term in a positive way, but mm. there are people whose lives are ruined by others because of how they lived mm. and what they did. And there are other people whose lives are propelled by others because of how they lived. And I think if you look at us as a nation, let me, let me ask you this, Jason. Do you think that we as a nation, just as a nation, have done well at helping the next generation be successful? I would say no, we have not. So we have not left a good legacy but a bad legacy yeah. in many respects. And yeah. that's what I think the challenge today is to turn it around because uh, my generation is responsible for a lot of ills at this point because we became very self-centered in our lives. We quit mentoring. We quit helping others, and we started to take care of ourselves. And in the process, we're leaving the next generation in a mess with great debt and with great problems that really we should have been working at solving, but we're busy playing golf or something. Don't email me and tell me that I'm against golf. I'm just using it for an example. But that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm not sure. I'd love to talk about this, this program, talk about what legacy is and what it means. But I think in general, I really think it's simpler than we made it out to be. And I think there's probably, in my generation, we need to repent and see what we can do while we're still able to to help other people be successful in life and to try and correct some of the things. I mean, right now, I think the whole young generation is con more confused than settled. That's not leaving a legacy when, when people are confused. Um, legacy people, in a positive sense, are those who actually are knowing what they need to do not confused by life and what to do. So we can talk about that more. I want to give a what's up to our Winter Jam friends, and we're going to talk to one of them when we come back here on the show. We've done a series of interviews. And so our first one tonight, we're going to talk with Cameron. And this conversation is just getting started here on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, we got a very special guest with us tonight on HopeNet Radio. I want to introduce my friend Cameron. How you doing, man? I don't know. I'm pretty good. Thanks. Introduce yourself. So, uh, I go to Rockford Christian High School. I'm on our robotics team, not on any sports clubs, though. I'm not very athletic as a person, but, you know, I try and keep my mind going pretty well. So, I do some creative writing. I uh, work a lot of stuff at my church, do robotics, you know, robotics is my fun. Take Chinese 2, we'll be taking Chinese 3 next year, so you know, the mind, I think, is one I've been up to recently, quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So which one would you say you love the most out of those? Out of, I'm a writing person. I never really got much out of math. I'm not good with numbers. Working with people is okay for me, but, like, I'm not good unless I can keep it going, unless I can write it down. I don't have a very good memory either, so I focus a lot on putting it into words rather than feelings and numbers. That's cool. When did you kind of pick that up? That's a really strange question. <laughs> I A couple of years ago, this was back in, I want to say, eighth grade, we had a teacher who was teaching um, creative writing that year, and she needed some more students involved in it. So I signed up. We did a little bouncing ideas back and forth here, and it really seemed to jive with me. Like, I liked it. I liked the concept. I like just, just working with how you can express things through different different letters, different articles, different phrases, just putting things into a different into a different gear than you would speak normally. So, you know, I picked it up then, been working on it now, doing some stuff on the Internet with trying to get myself out there a little bit. But it's, you know, it's just a good experience for me. I really like getting into it. 
So what do you see for your future with that? I don't know. I haven't really thought a whole lot about careers and like what I'm going to do with it. I'm thinking just the more it comes to me, that's going to be based upon how much I put out there. Like it's kind of a give and go type thing. I was thinking going into a like a journalism program or maybe some um, English English major of some time, some kind. But uh, you know, I'm not quite sure how I can apply it and where. But I'm very open to figuring out different ways of doing so. So if you had to come up with like a creative headline or a creative way to write about your generation, do you have any idea like how you would? write about your generation, what things you see, or what would be an interest of you to write about? Mm. I think applying what we see through teenagers now and comparing it to teenagers from, say, like a decade or two ago, I think that's something people need to be aware of because you know we complain so much about, like, ah, I want to go back when we were just, you know, no homework, we're just going out playing Frisbee all summer, and, <laughs> you know, playing with our Xbox and Nintendos and all. It's like, is that how it is, though? Like, I'd like to... You know, I want to go back through kind of like, you know, recent history and see, like, are the things that we're thinking, the things we struggle with, the issues are provoking us, like, are those really that unique compared to previous generations? Like, how can we bridge the gap between then and now in a way that people get, in a people, like, a way they can't stereotype? When people talk about some of that, like, how it was, you know, how past generations were compared to now, do you agree with some of that or how do you how does that sound to you when people are talking about past generations and that i see a lot like when people try and compare themselves to like celebrities because like it's easy to see the broad side of things like the side people want to show especially when we're connecting it to our um, winter jam stuff when we're talking about masks like you can see the outside very easily but you forget that there's another duality to it it's kind of duplicious there's a there's another aspect of thing that people leave behind so when we're looking at you know, comparing ourselves to, like, teenagers from, like, the 80s or something, you got to recognize, like, both sides. Like, uh, it's strange because we talk about, like, fashion back then, like, the music industry. But, like, we also don't talk a whole lot about, like, what was the day-to-day life, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. what did people have to go through? Because, like, we think so often, like, man, homework is really getting to me. Like, I'm feeling all the stress from from my parents, from other people who want me to do well. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, like that's something I feel like you could have gotten back then too, maybe expressed in different ways. But Yeah, I fully agree. And part of it is it's just a a snapshot. I mean, think of it. If people are writing about a generation of people that are kind of, you know, in just a a city or a community, it's not, you know, it's not representative of the entire generation. It's hard to get the entire generation, the entire scope in a real narrow piece, you know? It's There's so many different types of people out there. I mean, you don't have to be an athletic person. You could be a writer. Yeah. So many different things. So I'm, I'm kind of with you. I wonder, too, like, this generation, there are some things that you see, but it's hard to really... I'm the kind of the same way. I don't like to see myself put into this this frame of reference as a, mm-hmm. an entire generation when I don't know that I necessarily share the same values that people are writing about here about me. And it's neat to kind of hear you. I mean, you like to write. So, yeah. you know, just be neat to see how you would write about this generation and what, what do you find, you know, about this generation that you think makes them unique from other past generations? Yeah, I think the exploration of it really is interesting. I know this is a phrase that, like, everybody hears, but it, it goes something like, Born too late to explore the seas, born too early to explain the galaxy. And I, I like that because it puts us in this in this interesting midway point, like this between space and sky. And I think to, to, to kind of write about that is a really interesting prospect because you have to take a step back and say, 
Like, how do I differ from those around me? And if we're going to look at the individuality of people, you know, you got to form some patterns. One thing that kind of bugs me is everybody wants to do their own thing. Like, everybody wants to do one thing that's unique. But, like, sometimes we think that just because we can do something well, it's a gift directly from God. And, like, I think it's true very much from, like, a biblical standpoint, trying to apply it. we got to look like you got to give that glory back to God and say, like, I'm good at this. But like I, I can't just take it from what I've done. It's based upon my Lord, my Creator. Like He's given me something. Like not just to sit there and brag about it, but like go out, share about it. And like when you do so, just you know, someone's like, "Hey, how'd you do that?" You'd be like, "I don't know." Like I just, you know, you do it and you give the glory to God back and you say, "This is how I differ from people. Like this is what sets me apart." Because like we're all made unique. We're all we're all made to like push forward on like the same plane of things. So. It bugs me a little bit sometimes when people give like the the unique fallacy, like the individualism fallacy, where it's like it's just me, therefore it doesn't apply to anyone else. And it's like mm. the way to be unique is by like proving it, and I think to do that is something you got to take charge of. We all want to do something that's in a way unique. We're all created uniquely, mm. but there's also you know knowing that we can make a difference. I mean, there are many people right now that are working on researching and trying to find a a solution, a cure for cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, which takes the lives of millions of people every single year, right. yeah. and so at the same point, like they're looking at the, some of the same research and the same, but they're trying to figure this this problem out. You know, there are a lot of people that are working on solving, you know, quite a few problems, significant problems in our world today, and I think it's very possible your generation could be that next generation that has some of those breakthroughs. You kind of talked about that weird right. space between. You know, how did you put that? You said it was like the space between, like between space and sky. I think is yeah, and yeah. it's. It's an interesting point in history mm-hmm. where we're at, you know, where right, our current yeah. generation is. I mean, you guys coming up, your next generation, I mean, you're going to be the ones that do things that my generation couldn't do, that generations before couldn't do. But at the same point, like, we're all working towards mm-hmm. that same thing. So it's kind of interesting to kind of hear your perspective on that because that's yeah, thanks. it's still something that I think today it needs intelligent minds around. Right, right. And, and and I would say you come off as a very bright young man. And, oh, thank you. And uh, I hope you the best for your future. And it's it's neat to hear your perspective on that. I, I think when you're looking back at like advances in human development and stuff is um, some of the most interesting findings you can you can make of are not just off of just off the logical like statistics like you know like I'm going to keep trying this this and until I get it right. But it's also based off of this reasoning of like what can I do to make things better? And I think it's it's really interesting to grapple with because, um, I don't know, take for instance like duct tape. It's like duct tape was used and first invented in like Vietnam to help patch things together in poor conditions. But then you look at like how it's applied to like modern day and it's like, you know, when you got a problem, it's just like, honey, where's the duct tape? And it's like, <laughs> no, but like, and it's a logical response because it's like yeah. something so something so, you know, seemingly part of the grind can be applied in a lot of different ways. But you also have the other flip of the coin where it's, you have dynamite. And dynamite was not invented to be something destructive. It was meant to just, just you know, a chemical compound, a, a possible reaction, just another experimental phase and used for things like, you know, blowing holes in mountains to get trains to go through mm-hmm. to, like, imp- improve humanity through that connection you build by shaping the world around you. But it can also be applied in some, like, horrifying ways. So mm-hmm. I think... The responsibility of how you use those discoveries is just as important as finding them in the first place. So I think it's about an application. So. All right, we're going to take a break here on the show, and we'll continue our conversation when we come back here on HopeNet Radio. 
We're connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Check out tonight's show notes at HopeNet360.com. Also, while you're there, you can chat with the live coach, especially if tonight things are difficult, things are going on in your life that uh, are a little bit complicated and you just don't know who to go to to talk to about some of these things. Live coaches are available on our website at HopeNet360.com. So Jeff, DW, Jason with you tonight here on the show. Man, that was a fun first part of our conversation with Cameron. And, uh, you know, sitting down with him, hearing his heart, even between the segments that we were talking this kid's a bright guy and I, I, there are so many bright young teenagers right now yeah. in our world today and i know there's lots of different studies that are being conducted today and and research that's out there again generational and trying to figure out how this generation is different but as i sat down and talked with him as far as i was concerned there were some things that we maybe disagree on or maybe there was some things that you know he'll figure out later on in life that you know just like me i had to figure out later on in my life but i realized and he even said something interesting in our time together that it's not like our generations are that much different. Like he's just interested in I'm the, kind of the same way. Dave, there are times that we talk and I'm thinking, man, are we really that different in our generations? I mean, as time has gone on, as conversations have happened, I, I get more and more convinced, even though, yeah, we have technology at our fingertips and maybe I understand some things that you don't quite understand because I was exposed to them at a younger age. So I grabbed onto them. But otherwise, I mean, there are things that, I, I understand exactly what you're saying when we're having conversations and, and discussions and things that I can relate to a little bit. And uh, so one thing that I was just kind of taken away from our first part of the conversation was we're not this different. I mean, one of the things that mentors will come back to you and say is that I don't know that I understand this generation of young people. It seems like they are so different. Like I don't get the the Facebook and the Snapchats and, and the mall shopping and, and the fashion today. I don't understand this stuff. I don't I don't get this generation, so I don't even know how I could be a mentor. Yeah. You want me to start the list for you? Sure. Go for what it. I don't understand? <laughs> I mean, I'm going by a, a store in the mall, and, and there's a guy, a mannequin, wearing jeans that are all torn up and they're for sale. Help me out here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. You're not selling those. You can't be selling those. Those things are worn out already. Anyway, <laughs> you know what I find is that um, I don't think there's anything different about any of the generations. I think fire always has the same principles, but the fuel changes. Huh. And and that's that's what you have to see. I mean, let, let me ask you guys: Your generation did they struggle with pride? Oh yeah, yeah. Did they struggle with lust? Absolutely. Yeah. Did they struggle with power and money? Yeah, I think so. So what's different? I mean, honestly, it's not that the fire's different. It's that the fuel is different. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to look at. It's like a, a young person come to me and they, they ask, you know, I, or they tell me, you know, I'm, I'm hooked on pornography. Is pornography the problem or is it the fuel? Mm. Hmm. Yeah. See, it's the fuel. Yeah. The, the problem has existed. Let's go back to the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments. You're not to commit adultery. Was it a problem back then? Yeah. They didn't have the internet. Right. They didn't have newspapers. They were actually pounding things out on stones. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they had the problem. Right. The problems aren't different for my generation, your generation, the generation coming up now. I've been all over the world and spoke, spoken. What's the right grammar there? Whatever I've done, I've done it all over the world. <laughs> and um, 
And what I've noticed is that there's not a different problem anywhere in the world. The yeah. problems are all the same. You know, and that's that's a question even, you know, because I spent four years in Ireland, you know, and a question that I often get from people is, well, what did you deal with over there? Like, what do the young people deal with? And I tell them, like, they might have a different accent, but I'm like, all this core stuff is the same. You know, it's the same struggles, the same sin, the same temptations. In this generation, it's just expressed differently. Right. You know, there's different ways. I mean, just like right now, if you were going to go to a third world country, you know, they might not have all of the stuff and distractions that we have, but I guarantee you they're dealing with the same temptations and the same sin. It's just not expressed in that way or, or you know, as you were saying, the fuel analogy. And seeing the same consequences. Right. I mean, they are because sin always separates. And so they're seeing that their sin separates them from God and from each other. That's really the issue. So in essence, I understand that, that the fuel is different. I mean, if I said to you, Jason, all right, from this day on, there will be no internet for anyone in the world. Yeah. It's all over. No more pornography for anybody. So we solve the problem of lust. No. See, that's what I'm saying. Right. It, it, and that's what we have to understand. It just fuels it differently. Why do you think that, that Satan, if he's got this plan, why do you think he does that? Why, why is it that the fuel changes? Because he's, he's crafty. Yeah. Because it's got to be acceptable somehow. Right. And after a while, people realize. I don't know anybody who has been um, immersed in pornography that says, this was a good idea. Yeah. But they did when they started. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody actually my age that smokes cigarettes and that says, boy, I'm so glad I started this habit. Yeah. You know, I don't know it. There's some that try to pretend like they right. do because they're stuck. But I had a relative who I believe was such an alcoholic that he divorced and married his wife at least twice. I think three times. He never would tell you that alcohol was a good idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so what's the next acceptable thing that society's going to make a, a fuel that Satan's working on to fuel the same desires that have been there since creation, right? In in a sense, since man fell originally, and you that's know, what I think. Yeah, about. and I think I think the importance behind this realization, bringing it back to mentoring, is that when we're mentoring and and talking about this legacy, it's it's the biblical truth principles on how to deal with those changing fuels or those changing temptations. And the more right. that we cling to the truth, the more that we are equipped then to live. And that's that's really what it's about. And even even as we were talking about generational differences and and how right now it's almost as if we've done a bad job as a, as America, it's because we're not effectively passing on those principles as much as we should, saying, you know what, here's the timeless truth of Scripture. Right. And here's how you need to take it and adapt it and fight the temptation because it's going to change. It is. You know, I mean, just like you were saying, the fuel during my day, like I didn't, I didn't have a cell phone when I was in high school. Right. You know, but now it's a common place. And that means that things like pornography is that much easier or just, to get your hands or on. Or just not paying attention to the person you're in the room with. Exactly. You know, and so it's constantly going to change. And that's where that, that process and that atmosphere of mentoring then grows and develops because you're trying to say, all right, what, what are the temptations now that we can look at and say, you know what, here's where we need to apply scripture and truth so that you can fight it and live for it and be that Jesus follower and bring somebody with you. Because that's the thing I love about Paul. You know, he did life and he said, you know what? Here's the way I'm doing it right now. This is how, how God is working in my life. Come and follow me and right. imitate what I'm doing. Right. And then when he was done, he said, you know what? It's, done yours. It. it's yours. Now you take it. Right. You know, and that's, that's, and, and there you, were people to take it. Absolutely. And that's, that's the generational pass off. Right. Which is the, the key part. Yeah. As we're talking and, and the idea of following Jesus, the reason that we're, 
we're so bent on this or so focused on this is not to sell you a, a pyramid scheme like you, you know, join the Jesus club and you can get, you know, this for this price and everything else. It, it's not that at all. It's the fact that when I look at the Bible and what's written about it and I look at generations long ago, I see some of the same problems, but I also see then a way to look at this world that makes sense. I, I think this generation, just like every other generation, is asking very much the same questions. You know, why am I here? How did I get here? What's my purpose? How do I live? What does it mean to live in this world today? Really, what's my purpose? And then at the end of my life, where am I going? What's after this world? So there are some very fundamental and basic questions that we're all asking. And I think as we're looking at the idea of mentoring, it's helping someone understand what reality really is. And Dave, you talked so well about that. I want to talk about this in the second half of HopeNet Radio, what it means to leave a legacy and to help somebody else really discover what reality is all about. So we'll talk about this and more in the second half of HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to HopeNet Radio, the second half of the show. If you miss any part of this conversation, go back and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. Check out HopeNet360.com slash podcast. And there you can subscribe to our podcast. You can leave a review on whatever service you use. We'd love if you would do that because that helps other people to find it. So if you listen on iTunes, on TuneIn Radio, on Stitcher Radio, whatever you use, leave a review and that way people can find it a little bit easier. Jeff, DW Jason with you tonight on the show, and we're going to continue our conversation with Cameron, this young man from Rockford, Illinois, and he's got such a tremendous point of view. And so we've been sitting down with him and chatting. Here's more of our conversation tonight. Cameron, we were talking in the break. You know, mm-hmm. you're you're a very intellectual kind of guy. I really mm-hmm. respect that mm-hmm. and uh, appreciate your views and, and insights that you have. I yes, want to talk you. kind of about your spiritual journey, your faith journey, what was that like for you? I don't know. And it's as someone who likes to try to do the counter opposite, like the one in a million, like here was my epic, like, like it's, you know, it's akin to this great travel journey of coming home and all this. And it's weird because like growing up, I'm one of the guys who thinks like it was of the same meaning, but it happened a lot smaller. Like I can't really say there's been any significant moment where it's like, whoa, I know everything because it's, it's not been like that. But we have like a bi-monthly newsletter at our Christ United Methodist Church. And I did one on like seeing God through a daily lens. One of the best ways to really see God is through your environment. And growing up, I, envir- I grew up in one where he was very easy to see because like we live in a decent neighborhood. I've got some good friends who can talk about faith with me. I go to a good church. My parents care about Christianity. They care about how it applies. I, it's weird. I don't really have like a struggle story. But I think in itself, the lack of a, a great storm has been a little bit troubling to me because you have to look for opposition, for resistance, for you to gain this sense of comfort and that I know what I'm doing is worth fighting for. But when you don't have that, it's, it can have the opposite effect where you're, instead of becoming more stable when you believe, you get kind of scrappy, like angsty, like, come on, someone someone throw a challenge at me. Hmm. You know, Someone make me question what I believe so I can go, you know, I can go research it, I can go do some introspection. I'm hoping kind of that if I go to college where they appreciate that and they can say, like, we have a religious culture study where you can go and, you know, see some of the opposite of your beliefs to let it 
to let it kind of contrast what you currently believe, I feel like that will be extremely beneficial. But going to church has been extremely important, especially on a weekly basis, to get that get that feeling that I'm contributing and that I'm learning something, not just by what I put out there, but what is being offered to me as a better way to see Christ daily. So You talked about something in the break, going through a difficult time in your life, losing your grandpa. It was a big uh, yeah. big moment for you. What What was that like? What was your grandpa like? He was one of those wonderfully kind of awkward people, but in the best way possible. He was so comforting. And I remember there was one time where we were, I think we were making cookies or something. We had to get some eggs. And he kind of waltzes over to the fridge. He's like, I was going to make an omelet. And so he asked my grandma, he's like, do you have any plans for this egg? And like the, the most like strange, <laughs> wonderful voice. I'm like, what was that? So sometimes even when we're cooking at my grandma's house, my sister will call me and be like, do you have any plans for this egg? <laughs> it's just, it's so funny because he had his own catchphrases. He went, he went to the YMCA, I think on a daily basis at like five in the morning just to go work out to talk with some of his golf buddies and stuff. So he was a really, I think he was just a really solid guy um, in general. And he, he fought in Korea for a little bit. He was like a, I don't think he was ever like in full combat, but he was like a, like a nurse on standby. And I feel like he used that experience of just something horrible to kind of put him in a better place for when he got out. So he was, he was always great to my grandmother. He loved our family so much. He actually sent my, my mom and my dad up. My dad works at a golf shop. And he wanted, he of course was looking for an angle to get to go play some golf. My mother walks in and he goes like, like, Chris, Chris, go talk to that guy. Like you should definitely, you know, get talking to him. He's like, what? And then she was like, do you want a golf pass or something? He's like, no, don't be ridiculous. So he was just, he was always had this, you know, quiet scheme in the background. And he was just a great, great guy like that. And it worked out perfect because my dad and my mom just really clicked after that. And he's always respected. I think everyone our family and it was it was really tough losing him losing him but uh i feel like his life was way more important than what it could have been if he didn't care if he didn't put out as much effort to to make other people stay better if he didn't do that you know it's it's something i admire about him so i think i'm i'm very lucky we got to have him so what was his faith like i don't know it's it's strange because he he wasn't the type to sit down in front of the fireplace like let's go read luke chapter 22 like it was it was a very subtle faith, but it was one that you could see it catch on with other people. It was kind of like this warm, cuddly virus because, like, you don't see it until it's caught on to you, and you're like, "Oh, <laughs> like I want to, I want to feel that, I want to feel that presence, I want to feel that becoming a part of my daily routine." And it was strange because he wasn't he wasn't the type to put it out there super openly, but like when he did, it was extremely important to him because he had some friends because he was pretty old he had some good friends that he lost in the past and like whenever they passed away he always had not only a good story about them but like he had a funny way to connect it back to god and i felt like that was that was kind of a tell that he had like if if he played poker that would be his tell is that it always when it came down to the wires he had something interesting to throw in there that made you think that he knew a lot more than he pretended to not know he was he was a very cerebral man in the background that's really cool you know, to even think about that. Have you ever thought about what your faith legacy would be like? I've always felt very firmly in my faith to a degree. Like, I always, if I struggle with it, like, I allow myself to. Like, that is how I go with it. I know some people that especially kind of put themselves behind walls, and they don't they don't openly get to it. It's funny because, like, when I, when I look at, like, any one part of faith, it's like, in order to build, like, a movement, in order to keep yourself going with what you believe and, like, make it a daily part of your life that, that, like, lives through you, that doesn't just wait, 
it's, I think, extremely beneficial to have other people around you who know the same thing as you, who, who can level with you about it. I feel like faith is, it's, it's like ripples in an ocean. Like you started going and other people are going to get going about it too. It, it gets you fired up. So even on days when like it seems kind of in the background, like if you can acknowledge it with some other person, I think it'll, you know, it'll inspire you to keep going with it. In terms of legacy, you know, I kind of hope it's as subtle as my grandfather's was because on my, like on my other side of my family, they're the ones who are a little more open about it. And I do like that about them is they're very, always talking about like their trips to Jerusalem or Palestine and like they're, they have it very active in their life, which I appreciate very much. But like when it calls for it, you need to go out to defend it, not just in your interests, but for those who are around you who believe the same as you do. And because that's, that's your respect and your right as a Christian is like, you know, if you believe in me, you got to pick up your cross and fight with it. Like I'm not physically like hating people. With the cross, but you, you, like, you get the idea. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I think defense of it, but a very subtle one, a very reserved one is the best way to go. So I can hope I, I hope I can measure out that way. Well, and the good news, you know, especially about the faith journey in, in our faith in Jesus is that it's all about freedom. It's helping people to find freedom. And that's yeah. the, it's, if there's a message out there that would actually help set somebody free, would you not go and tell them about that? If you right. knew they were a prisoner to something, whether it was some kind of an addiction or, or just self-despair, you know, just being in the midst of darkness. If you knew the way to get them out, what would prevent you from doing that if there was really nothing except just your, you know, wanting to choose whether or not you're going to talk to him about that and, yeah. and just to share your story, your faith journey. So, And the interesting thing is, is we're all leaving a faith legacy one way or another, whether we like it or not. Yeah. You know, So we don't have to really think about it. We can think about it, but some people choose not to think about it. And at the same time, they're leaving some kind of a legacy. And one day you're going to look back and you're going to think, I wish I would have done this differently. And, and if I had done that differently, maybe something different would have turned out. And yet God works all these things together for good. And so from this day forward, you can begin to think about that. Like, what is my faith legacy? What am I doing with my life? Just like what your grandpa did. I mean, it wasn't anything huge and elaborate, but it was, there was something about him. It was something about his character, the way that he carried himself, the way he could walk into a room. And like you said, it was kind of a, a, a weird virus, you know, where yeah. it was just a, a happier, cheerful virus walking through and you couldn't help but be infected by it. Right. And the same thing with you. I mean, you could walk into a room and there'd be somebody that would think, oh, there's Cameron. You know, I, I can't so. go a time without smiling. You know, I don't know what your legacy will be, but people will say things about you. Right. And I don't know if you've thought about that. Have you thought about what you wish people would say about you as time goes on? I don't know if I'm the type of guy that just nobody talks about or if, like, I'm the type of guy that people talk about when, he's, when he leaves the room or if I just, like, don't... <laughs> don't get how much I can mean to people, whether that be positive or negative. But as long as people remember what I did as a Christian, what I did as a person, as long as there's a memory of that, and it's one that makes other people think, like, where do I go with this? Like, I want to decide what I do with my faith. Like, if I can inspire anyone else to take a challenge to say, like, you, you really you'll feel that right now. Are you sure you don't want to, you don't want to go talk about it? You don't want to research it? You don't want to go out there and express it? You don't want to read about it? Like, I challenge you to do that. And if someone can look at me in, like, a funny way and say, like, all right, like, I take you up on that, like, let's go. <laughs> like, that's, I don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot more that you need to do. I think that's what Christ did with, especially getting the disciples together with gathering his faith and even, like, challenging, you know, the authorities back in the day. It was all based upon, like, like how, like, how much do you want to take me up on this? Like, let's get into this. Like, let's get fired up. Like, let's do something about this. And if I can reflect that back as a Christian... I'm a sinner, but like if I can reach a level where I'm comfortable with using my story and my tale and my life. 
to bring other people closer to Christ, at least, or at least think about it in a more logical and respectful manner, then I, I think I'll be satisfied with that. Special thanks to our Winter Jam crew, and our series will continue over the coming weeks. Thanks to Cameron for sitting down with us on the show tonight. And you can hear more of those interviews in the coming weeks here on Hobnet Radio. Check out tonight's show notes right now at Hobnet360.com. And this conversation will continue here on Hobnet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at Hopenet360.com. This is Hopenet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. That's right, Jeff. DW Jason with you tonight here on the show. It was a great time sitting down with Cameron, and we'll have some more interviews with him and some other of our guests from Winter Jam. Shout out to all of our Winter Jam friends. Thanks for being a part of that weekend with us and for lending your voice on the show. It's so cool to sit down with young people and just hear their perspective, Dave. And like we had talked about a little bit before, mentoring, some people get put off by the idea of mentoring the next generation because of this seemingly maybe impossible hurdle to cross and to get over and, and to really understand where this next generation comes from. And sitting down and just having an open conversation with Cameron, you just you get the sense that this is a young man that's got some just some years beyond himself and a perspective that one I think there are so many young people out there that would share similar thoughts or just being able to think about some complex things in a way where you're like, wow, you know, I didn't realize that today's young people might be that mature, that composed, or that able to talk about things. And I can relate to that. And as mentors, as people who would maybe be put off by mentoring, I think we get an unrealistic idea of what being a mentor is. And if we simplify it a little bit, Dave, yeah. maybe that would help some of us really who are wrestling with being a mentor or even finding a mentor. What can we expect? What should we expect from a mentor today? And what are some of your thoughts on things that Cameron was talking about? First of all, I think that those people in family situations like we all are need to understand how powerful their life is in, in shaping the next generation. Yeah. No matter what happens, how you live is going to shape the next generation, for good or for bad. You're either going to leave them to have to struggle with a tremendous amount of things, or you are going to uh, springboard them into the future. Uh, one of the things I think that, that really came to my mind is that we need to learn to appreciate older people. I think there are many times where we don't appreciate those who have experience because uh, we just don't think that their experience is relevant to us. When we talked about that earlier, how actually there are no new problems, just new fuels. Yeah. You know, that's it. But what's interesting to me is that when you're in third grade, you spend almost all day with third graders at school. Then you come home, and you normally, when I came home, I played outside with third graders. Then I, I got called in for supper, like everybody did in our neighborhood. And we got called in for supper, and then I went out and played till the streetlights came on. I grew up in Chicago, and that was the rule to go in then. Yeah. So I went out and played till the streetlights came on with third graders. I would come in, clean up, usually go to bed. Now, let me ask you, who did I spend almost all my time with that day? Third graders. Yeah. And I was a third grader. So how much wisdom am I going to glean that day? It, probably not a whole lot, because I'm with people that are exactly the same as I am. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that doesn't change in life. We, we keep doing that. We keep trying to find people. Yeah, I've even heard people choosing churches saying, well, I'm just looking for somebody my age bracket. I'm looking for somebody that can relate to me. As if those who are older can't relate to the fact that you have children. I mean, they can. They had children. They're just not there anymore. You know what I mean? And, and really what's healthy is to be able to have a multi-generational 
friend pool. Uh, if you have older friends and you have younger friends, you should have people, and I've said this before, in your life, intentionally, you should have older people or someone that's further down the journey than you are, further down the road than you are, you should have them in your life. You should have somebody in your life that is less than you in the journey of life. So let's say, uh, you know, my wife and I are empty nesters, we've had kids, they're gone, all right, so for you two, for Jason and Jeff, we would be somebody in your group because we've been through your season already and we're that other side of it. Then you should also have people who may not even be married or, or may be married but have no children because you guys do because you're further down the journey than they are in that sense. And what happens then is you're in this healthy triangle in, in a sense. So you're always looking to teach and you're always looking to learn. And uh, recently one of my dear friends who's 96 years old who has been a, a mentor to my dad and, and somebody to me is is not doing well. I think he's not here long on this planet. And as I think about it, it, it's sad. It's not that we spent too much time together as he was in probably from 94 on that, that he just wasn't able to. But, you know, it's it's the idea of losing that person who is ahead of the journey than I am. And realizing that as I get older, there's less and less people that are ahead of my journey and less and less to look to and talk to. And you become the one now that has journeyed a little further than most. And so in one way, you can see the uh, the torches being passed to the next generation in that sense. But I, I really think that, that listening to him, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, we all need to understand that we need to set an atmosphere that allows us to have life or friendships with multi-generations of people. And that can be very healthy. And and young people need not roll their eyes when an old person walks in the room and says, what, what are you doing that for? You, you need not roll your eyes at that one. They, they may actually have a reason why they said it. And they may not. And if it's just a fuel thing, and we've talked about this on the program before, there are principles that are worthy of, of uh, really laying down your life for. And then there's methods. And it's a wise person that knows the difference, and you never fight for methods, you fight for principles. Mm -hmm. And there's so few principles that there's very few things that you should fight for. And uh, I hope that makes sense. But that's, that's what I was thinking as he was talking about grandpa and mentoring. And It was interesting listening to him as well when he was talking about you know, some of the things that his grandpa would say that, you know, weren't necessarily him sitting down. He, he said that, you know, his grandpa wasn't someone that would sit down by the fire and he did this really funny accent and said, let's, let's turn to the book of Luke or something. It was kind of like his faith was lived out in a little bit of a different way where he was definitely aware of the people that were around him. He was in the moment. He may not have been maybe somebody who would give up and, and get a sermon going before, you know, a dinner meal or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he did that. But in our lives, too, there are ways that we carry ourselves. I think there is, in some ways, there are some differences I've that I've seen a little bit, and I was kind of guilty as this, maybe as a younger person, that for a time, I was really just about myself. I really wanted my voice to be heard. I really wanted someone to accept me and to want to know about me. And so it was kind of this me centric kind of a thing. But as time went on, as I grew up, as I you know knew that I had people that were smarter than me, that they knew some things that I didn't know, I began not necessarily to go into my shell, but I really began instead of to be talking and be about me and my views and my thoughts and my ideas and everything else, I began to listen more. I've really focused on that in the last few years. I know I talk a lot on this show and we talk a lot about a lot of different things and for 
most of what I would say, some of my conversations, interactions with the people, I'm intentional about being a little bit more quiet, a little bit more set back from the front sometimes. And that is intentional because I really, I really want to hear what the other person has to say. And I think one thing, if, if our generations are going to work together or come to an understanding or even be open to this idea of mentoring, both of us have to realize that we both have to do a better job at listening. I found that my generation and some of these new generations, we don't take a lot of time to listen. We want the quick fix. So we want someone to get up and maybe speak to us for a half hour and give us all the answers to the world and then solve my problems in the midst of that. And that just doesn't happen. Dave, you talk about doing life together and how mentoring is really more about a lifestyle than it is about maybe a talk that you give or maybe a good story or a, or a good joke or something. It's mentoring is more about how can we utilize listening to better our relationships? You know, I think, I think listening is key and I think it's a lost art because I think a lot of times we, we either don't know how to listen or we talk too much. Um, and when it comes to mentoring, you know, sometimes just sitting there and allowing your mentor just to share experiences or stories. Um, and we just got done talking about, you know, people are older than us and the significance of having older people in your life. And, and a lot of that has to do with listening because you're opening up yourself to really pay attention to, to their life's experiences, how God taught them certain principles or understandings through those different things. And, and then as you're listening, you're kind of gleaning from that saying, all right, what, how does this, how does it, this impact me? What can I learn from this? And that's huge, mm. you know, because we're always on the go now, you know, especially this generation, it's just like one thing to the next and we can barely sit still without looking at our phone. Yeah. And so I would, re- I would really challenge you, like, put down your phone and really next time you're, you're having a conversation with somebody, just sit and listen and engage in the conversation and see where it takes you. That's if you can get them talking. That's if you can get them talking. True. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is a challenge today. On our website, hopenet360.com, under tonight's show notes, we have some questions that we think are just absolute stellar questions that you can ask anyone that you see as a mentor in your life. So say you're a young person, you're able to sit down with somebody. I think the best tools that we have at our disposal is to ask really good questions. You know, what do you do with your time? How do you structure maybe your day or your life? How do you do some of these things? How do you do life? I want to know more about that. We've got some great questions that you can ask under tonight's show notes at hopenet360.com. And this conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Love HopeNet Radio? Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Join our coaching team. This month, we are asking you if you're wanting to be a mentor, you're inquiring about what it means to be a mentor. Maybe you just want to get your feet wet in being a mentor in someone's life. Our live coaches are around the clock. They're available. They're all around the country. And you can be a live coach. You can join the coaching team this month. Check out HopeNet360.com slash coach and learn about what it means to become a coach. And if you got questions about that, you can always contact us. You can email us at hope at hopenet360.com. We'll set you up and get you trained and make sure you're ready to go and just get your feet wet in mentoring. Share your wisdom. Share some insight you have or just listen. Just be available. Sometimes that's the greatest thing a mentor can do is to just just be available. So, Jeff, DW, Jason with you tonight on the show. We're wrapping things up. Our conversation about mentoring this month, our series has been on building an atmosphere of mentoring. And, you know, guys, we'll be talking about a legacy kind of a thing. Dave, I know you're not a huge proponent of what it means to build a legacy, or you're not really the one that thinks about that often. But 
If you did think about building a legacy, what would that look like? It would look like you, Jeff, or Jason, or my children. That's what it would look like. Um, it would look like the young men that I've mentored through Nikolai Bible Institute through the years. If they have and you have good marriages and you love God and you love your children, then I've left a legacy. It's really not about me. It's about, it's about somehow making you successful at what you do. And there's no way I can force that. There's no way that I can get into your life and force you to do what's right. Uh, so what I have to do is live in a compelling way to make you want to live right. And that's harder in our culture because of the fact that we don't do life really together. And there's, we, we aren't living in villages. We do not cook outside together and see our families every day. You know, we, we don't do things that people used to do. So it's a little bit harder to do that. But I think that in essence, that is, um, the goal of everyone who loves God is, is the same as like the Apostle Paul, where basically at the end of Timothy, he said, you know what? My time is finished. I fought a hard fight and there will be a reward for those who finish well. And it's not just for me, it's for you too. So he immediately threw that out there for Timothy. Like the goal is that you join me with that, that reward. I'm not hoping that I'm the only one that gets it. Rivadurchi, you know, I'm out of here. And, and that was the end of it. So I think that's the Greek, Rivadurchi. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not, not sure. I wasn't sure if it was the Hebrew. Yeah, Greek or Hebrew or Latin or just, um, something I made up. I'm not even sure what it is, but. For people who want to somehow get their name emblazoned on a building or their memories somehow in a in a rock somewhere where people can look at it, I don't get that because they years from now people are going to look at that and not even know what who's there and what what it's about. But the legacy that lives in people that's what matters. And and the funny thing is that God spreads it out. He doesn't let one person. Do all the legacying, <laughs> all of the, is that, that's a new word. <laughs> that's a great word. Uh, uh, it, it, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't let one person do that. So people like will come to camp and some speaker will meet their needs and their youth pastor will meet some of their, and I mean, and God moves it around. And, and it's a lot of people that are walking with God that are given the same example. And, and that's how we reach the next generation because people are always going to be looking for somebody to say it the way they want it to stay the same. Mm. They're going to look for people to affirm what they already believe. If they believe in error, they're going to look for people to affirm that. And that's Second Timothy 4, very clear that that's what happens. And and so what we do is is say, you can talk to anybody you want about anything you want, but you will not be able to deny my life. You, mm-hmm. you won't be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we live in that way. Yeah. And, and I think um, when I am dead and gone, I think that, when people come and see what's going on at Silver Birch Ranch over the last 35 years, I don't think they're going to be able to deny what God did here. Yeah. And I think they could deny my methods or whatever else, but, but I don't think they're going to be able to deny what God did. Yeah. That's the legacy to me, not Dave and not my dad. And, and, um, and that's what's really special, I think, in life is that the next generation has what they need to go forward. Um, you know, my dad didn't plan on dying at 60 years old. And um, now I thought, you know, I'm 60 now. <laughs> my dad, I, I wonder what he'd be thinking if he was alive. Like, my youngest son is 60. That happened pretty quickly. And before you guys know it, you're going to be saying the same thing. I'm 60, your kids are going to be gone, and and you're going to be looking at your life thinking, you know, what is it that I really accomplished in life? And you will have accomplished much if you have poured it into people. If you have loved God, 
and obeyed him and poured it into people and make if you two started right now and, and all the radio listeners can be in on it too but if you started now to try and decide that everybody you meet you're going to try and make successful in in god's eyes not just in this world's eyes but in god's eyes dave can i ask you a question about that sure how do you know when you've done enough do you ever feel like you've done enough no you never have you're going to do a segment and that's all you ever get. You don't get to do the whole thing. I, I don't think God allows anyone to do the whole thing. Mm. I, I think there's there's significant other adults that have to be a part of this. But you can look in your own lives. Each of you can look back in your own lives. And, and there were times and people who were part of it that were part of it for a good reason for a moment. And then they left. And and you might have wanted to continue that relationship or not. And God said, no, on to different. You know, God is not desiring us to be dependent on other people and, and putting other people on a pedestal he, he he wants us dependent upon himself so mentors need to understand that their their job is not uh, forever their job is probably segmented uh, with each person that they meet and at the end god puts it together like a beautiful jigsaw puzzle and it, and it works tremendously so the the legacy is really the simplicity of going back and saying god you gave me two things to do to love you which means obey you so i could do that and you told me to love others. I could do that. And and so when I do that, then the legacy takes care of itself. And I would love to have finished the job with some people, but it doesn't happen. Uh, they move away. They go somewhere else. They, it, You just don't get to finish the job. Uh, somebody else has to carry on. God made it that way. He made it so that we never finish. Yeah, and I just echo everything you just said, Dave, because even as I was sitting here thinking about you know my final thoughts, it's everything you just said because I look back in my life you know, and I look at the myriad of people that have influenced me to make me the man that I am today. And it's not one person. Nope. And that's and that's the key in this is that there's different people that we can learn and grow from so that when we live out our lives, we can learn how to point people to Jesus. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what we see in scripture. Yep. And that's the beauty of it. And it's it's not it's not a set way of doing it. It's just doing life together. It's creating that atmosphere of building into each other's lives and having people older than you, the same age as you, and younger than you, so that we can share the wealth of knowledge that we learned about who God is and how to live for Him. And sometimes mentoring is destroyed because of jealousy. I mean, somebody thinks, "Well, this is a guy I'm meeting with, but now they're meeting with that person and learning something." Yeah, we should be rejoicing, not not being upset with that, because Amen. we all have a different perspective, and we and we hold it loosely because we realize. Our job is very specific and short or right. normally. It can be longer in some cases, but it's never the complete. God doesn't do that. As we're wrapping up this conversation and this series about mentoring and building an atmosphere of mentoring, it's important to remember that as a mentor, your job is not to get somebody to reproduce your success in your life or to do things in a way that would bring about, like if you were able to go back in life and do some things over again, it isn't to make them do those things better than you did. I mean, there are some things that may come that way, but your job as a mentor is just to help them be successful. But you may not know exactly what that looks like or what that means for them, but your job is just to be available and to be there and to have input, to share your experience, and maybe even some of the things that you did wrong. But don't expect them to, to be an exact copy of you in growing up and, and going through some things in your life. People are going to go through things in life. We just need to be available. We need to be willing to do things like listen, to offer input when, when the time is right, and to know when to step back and look back. If you have 
some more questions or thoughts on mentoring and you'd like to get a hold of us, you can always email us at hope at hopenet360.com. Or if you want to hear us talk about a given topic or something else, we'd love to hear from you as well. You can jump on the tweet back tonight, too. We're hanging out on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTV. We'll always get your messages. We'll reply to them. We'll put them on the show if they fit. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, hopenet360.com. And again, all this month, we're looking for new coaches to be a part of our coaching chat line. So check out the links there on our website. For all of us here on HopeNet Radio, thank you so much for joining us. Keep on mentoring and doing what you do. Do life together. That is the best thing that I can encourage you with this week. And for all of us here on the show, we'll see you guys online and next week. Later. 